I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names, and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, one hundred million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom. Then the father hen will call his chickens home. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. When the man comes around. Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down when the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. 
Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks In measured a hundredweight and penny pound When the man comes around And welcome back to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my better angelic half. V. Lynn. Hello, Patriots. So uh, we just finished with another episode uh, that we did with uh, Micah Dank, um, and he gave us his theory on astrotheology. Um, take from it what you will. Uh, it is very interesting, though. Uh, he brought up some good points, and I even tried to... I tried to stump the chump, so to speak, with a little... Uh, it didn't work. ...bit of the flat earth, throwing the flat earth in there. Well, he kind of sat there and said, well, yeah, you're right, it could apply. You know, especially when I brought up the point that, hey, 5,000 years ago, man thought that, you know, the earth was flat, too. It really hadn't changed nothing. As did they when they wrote the Bible 2,000 years ago. Well, yeah. So, but either way. But it, it was really interesting. And, it was. And I actually, um, I read his book, or I listened to his book on Audible, the first one in his six-book series, uh, when he and I first started talking about him coming on the show, and it was it was really good. And and I'm a judgy bitch when it comes to writing because I was an English major as well, and I read a lot. And grammar and punctuation and spelling, it's amazing how many editors overlook those things these days. And they're really important. But he did a really good job. It's I, very fast-paced. It's I guess quick-moving. It's, I guess it's really good that he's an English major. Yes, you absolutely. Know. I mean, that helps. It does help. You know? it, when you're a writer, it does help to Especially have some kind of a grasp of the English language. You have judgy bitches like yourself Exactly. So, but exactly. you will have that. You'll have that yes. on this big job. So, I, I mean, I'm probably one of the, the harshest critics on a book. If I don't if I don't like it in the first 10 pages, I'm just I'm going to put it down like it's got to catch my attention it has to be well written it has to so like my coloring book you're completely fucked with yeah no i don't i don't even look at that anymore See? it drives me nuts you can't even color within the lines it's, i know even I the know. paint by number shit stumps you i, I can't do it so anyway i would highly recommend whether or not you you liked this interview i would highly recommend that you read his book because it is very engaging fast-paced it's it's fiction but it's not so it's really, really interesting. So, trying to teach through fiction yeah. is what he's trying to do. He's trying yeah. to actually, in the lines of Dan Brown, I would have to argue. And and probably right around the same accuracy as because, Dan Brown, Because, I mean, to be Dan honest. Brown inserted truth in a fictional story, and people went and looked it up and said, oh, my God, that's actually true. Yeah, no shit. Um, yeah. I, so, I didn't know that. Anyway, so it was really interesting. So enjoy. Yeah, enjoy this. Welcome back to the Patriot Party Podcast. We have Micah Dank with us today. Mike, I had the pleasure of reading your first book. Actually, I listened to it on Audible, and uh, I'm really excited to read the rest of them now because it really is a cliffhanger. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I don't know, given the topic, it, it, it wasn't what I expected, but it was, it was really quick and it was really fun. And 
like I said, I'm really looking forward to reading the next one. But Mick, my uh, work co-host here, who's getting very frustrated with the audio, um, listened to some of your other interviews, but has not had the opportunity to read your book. So um, I guess we'd love for you to take the opportunity to tell us a little bit about it. What led you to write it? Uh, what it's about? Where you're going from here? So you've got the floor. How about it? There's a lot going on within the books. I kind of molded a bunch of different uh, different sciences and such into the books. Um, thank you. It is a fun read. I like to think so. Um, but yeah, no, I was wondering, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Now I was just wondering um, what you thought of the first book. I mean, have you seen any of my previous presentations, like the one we're about to go through? I saw you on Casey's podcast on the Peelback Report, um, but that was more about you, I think, not so much about the book. So, mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, well, what would you rather go through? Do you want to talk about the books? Do you want to talk about astrotheology, what led to the creation of the books? Do you want to go through the PowerPoint presentation? Uh Whatever you want to do, I'd, I'd like to do all three, but I know we're a little limited on time. So why don't you uh, start with the astrotheology and, and what led you to write the books and, and do the PowerPoint presentation? Okay, so what in 2013, I had started, um, I moved to Boston for a new job. I'm from New York and uh, I moved to Boston for a new job. And while I was out there, um, I moved with a girl I'm no longer with. And while we were out there, the iPad had just come out or the iPad with the camera had just come out, one of the two. So I spent a lot of time going down rabbit holes on YouTube. Um, and then I came across astrotheology, which basically explains hidden codes and meanings in the Bible. And I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so great. And then I came across a guy named Jordan Maxwell, who I um, started to follow and he'd been doing a lot of work on this and then I followed up with a guy named Santos Bonocci who I got connected to through my friend Charles and his work just blew me away and I realized this is what I want to do I want to teach this stuff so I was thinking about it the best way to teach it and I realized that if you write a nonfiction book it kind of limits your audience but if you write a fiction book it can kind of cast a wider net so that's why all the information in the books that you've read are true you know, as, as I'm sure you could figure out, um, but it's written in a fiction setting. So what is astrotheology? So it's basically the mythology and the stories behind the Zodiac and the constellations. You know, the Greeks and the Romans had their gods and everything. This is basically ours. This basically explains ours. Okay. I'm actually teaching my kid about the Greek and Roman gods in our homeschool right now. So um, that's, that's pretty interesting. How do they correlate to ours? Um, bear with me just one moment. I'll open this up. I need you to give me screen share. I should have asked before. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And I think you have to request it. References. 
Maybe you know how I allow my screen share? It should be just a <coughs> click on uh, go up to Zoom US. Let's see. Should be meeting or uh, I'm sorry, hold on. Start share. Should be under meeting, start share. No, that share is mine. Manage participants. I have no idea. <laughs> I love doing this. Let's see. I'll tell you what, Mike, I think if I make you a host here, you can share. Okay. There we go. I'm the host now. All right, hold on a sec. Let me open it. Yes, indeed. Fantastic. Here we go. All right. Astrotheology okay, in the so Bible. You guys, you guys, Astrotheology in the Bible. So below this, you'll see the zodiac wheel. Okay. You'll see so the zodiac wheel below like this. And this is how the clock. zodiac wheel. The what? It looks like the flat earth clock that David Weiss had up uh, a week or two ago. <laughs> that guy gets around yes he does that guy gets around um yeah so basically this is the zodiac wheel it's a proper wheel capricorns at the bottom aries is on the left cancer's on the top libra's on the right okay so let's do this is that better, is that better? yep So the Lascaux Caves go back 40,000 years. And the Lascaux Caves are caves in France, okay? Uh, that's why they call the Lascaux Caves because they're in Lascaux, France. And what they are, are these caves that these people recently went into uh, within the last 50 years to find. And uh, when they went to the back of the wall, all the way in the back, they found this, or as an example. Now, on the top, you see the bull. On the right, you see the many faces of the lion. And on the bottom, you see uh, the horse. Now, in astrology, the bull is Taurus, the lion is Leo, and the horse is Sagittarius. Okay? So, basically, they found these. And what they did was they carbon dated this wall. And it came out to about 50,000 years, plus or minus 5,000 years. Okay? So, uh, 40,000 years, plus or minus 5,000 years. So what they did once they carbon dated this was they brought in an astronomer and an astrologer in order to rewind the skies. Cause we have computers now that can do that. They can run models of what the sky used to look like 40,000 years in that area. And what they did when they did that is they found that when they printed out the, the star map and they superimposed it over the cave wall, 
that Taurus was where the bull was, Leo was where the lion was, and Sagittarius was where basically all the animals and the people that were on there were where their constellations were supposed to be 40,000 years ago. The other interesting thing too is, is on June 21st, um, the summer solstice, the sun actually came in only on that one day, came in and bounced off the wall in the back of the cave. Okay, so the ancients have known about astrology for 40,000 years. Okay, so this is the ancient science. Okay, now there's questions you can ask. Biblical questions. How Jesus was able to heal the blind, how he walked on water, how he turned water into wine, why he had 12 disciples, why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, why he was dead for three days, why is his birthday on December 25th? All this is astrology and it can be answered with astrology. Okay. Now, Genesis 1.14, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. And that's what the Bible is. That's what the Bible does. It's an encoded book that marks the seasons, days, and the years. We're going to go through the 12 signs right now. So you know the key words so that we can decode this properly. So the first sign is Aquarius that I talk about, which is represented by the man. Uh, it's the story of Zeus and Aquarius. Um, it's the story of Zeus and the young boy. That's where they get it. Um, basically, so basically what happened was there was a young boy on earth and Zeus wanted him in heaven, okay? But his father wouldn't let it. So Zeus ended up giving him a bunch of animals and made him very rich. And he let the boy come up to heaven. And this was a 14-year-old boy, by the way. And the 14-year-old boy came up to heaven and he ended up serving all the gods out of this water pitcher on the right, uh, a drink called ambrosia, which was known as, oh, it says this meeting will end in 10 minutes. I can't hear you. Keep going, you're good. Okay. Um, so it says the, so it's a story. So basically he feeds the gods, the ambrosia, which is the nectar of the gods. He gets fed up one day and he, he goes to the edge of heaven and he pours the ambrosia out, which causes a flood on earth. That's where the Greeks get their flood story. So there's a flood on earth. Zeus gets mad at him, but instead of punishing him, he just immortalizes him as the constellation Aquarius of, of the job that he did, pouring the water out. Okay, so that's what basically Zeus did. So whenever you're talking about words like the son of man, man, baptism, water, pitcher because i mean baptism that's how you baptize someone is a man with a water pitcher just like that fountain stream river things of that nature they're talking about aquarius then pisces is the sign of the two fish in the water so whenever you're talking about levethia and the fish god fish water dagon mithra ancient fish gods they're talking about pisces then Aries is the ram, and in Aries you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. It's a 12-hour day and a 12-hour night. It's also the Passover, or the passing over of the sun over the equator and back on its way up to its height in the summer solstice. In Christianity, the passing over is changed and called the resurrection of God's son. Okay, So whenever you hear words like ram, lamb, shepherd, ram's horn, Jewish people, Jews, they're talking about Aries because the Jews are the people of Aries. Taurus is the bull. When you look at the sky and you see Taurus during the season where it's supposed to be, you know that you need to put the plow on the bull so that you can plant the seeds so that you can harvest in Virgo and Libra. 
So whenever you hear bull, ox, calf, cow, they're talking about Taurus. Then Gemini is the twins. It's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles. So whenever you hear the words twins or brothers, they're talking about Gemini. Then Cancer is the crab, and it's the sideways moving creature. So the crab shuffles from side to side. Okay, good. We're good. The yep. crab moves like this. It shuffles from side to side. We don't do that unless you're doing like a sports drill, okay, where you have to shuffle from side to side. But the crab does. And the sun does the same thing when it's in Cancer. So starting on December 21st, I'm sorry, December 25th, the sun rises a degree on its axis every day, and then the next day it rises an additional degree. So days become longer, nights become shorter. It continues to rise a degree until it hits June 21st. That's the summer solstice. That's the longest day of the year, the shortest night of the year. Then when it's up there, just like the crab walking sideways, it, the sun walks sideways for three days at its height. So on June 21st, it's height. And then for three days, it stays at that height. Then June 25th, it drops a degree. And then it continues to drop a degree every single day until it hits December 21st, where it will then uh, be at its lowest point, the longest night of the year. And then it'll walk sideways for three more days. And then it'll rise on December 25th, December 25th. That's why all the ancient gods were celebrated on that birthday, December 25th, is because uh, the sun would rise again. The sun was born again. So whenever you hear the word crab or beetle, they're talking about cancer. And the reason I talk about it when you're talking about a beetle is because in the ancient <clears throat> Egyptian zodiac, the cancer, the crab was actually uh, the scarab. So basically, uh, that's why um, St. Augustine called Jesus the good beetle. So that's cancer. And then in Leo, that's the king, the lion, the king of the jungle. The ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So whenever you're talking about lion, lioness, or cub, they're talking about Leo. Then Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. So remember before you say that you plant in Taurus? Well, the virgins will cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make the bread for the year. So whenever you hear virgin, wheat, grain, seed, barley, mustard seed, for example, they're talking about Virgo. Then Libra is the justice. It's the scales, it's the balance, it's the just one. And the reason it's justice is because it judges God's son as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter, into cold, into death. Uh, the Jews always celebrate the new year around the fall equinox. Now, Libra is also wine season, which is when you plant for the grapes in Taurus, you could press the wine here. So Libra is the justice, the judge, the judgment, the just one. So whenever you hear law, judge, justice, the just one, divorce, marriage, court, lawly things, they're talking about Libra. It's also wine season. That's when you press the grapes to get wine for the year, okay, in Libra. Um, so you're talking about wine, vineyard, wine press as well. It's also oil season. That's when you press the olives into the oil. So when they're talking about anointing with oil or oil in general, they're talking about Libra. Then Scorpio is the scorpion and he is the betrayer. When a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like two lips. And it's why the mafia has the kiss of death. It's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. So the sun is judged in Libra and it's betrayed in Scorpio. And then finally in Sagittarius, this is where the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflicts further punishment on the sun. This is where the sun dies. So the sun dies in Sagittarius. It's judged in Libra, it's betrayed in Scorpio, okay? And then it dies in Sagittarius. Because on December 21st, the sun is at its lowest point. It cannot rise any lower. It's under the horizon. 
Okay, so it's dead and it's dead in winter and then it stays there, it walks sideways for three days. So that's why God's son used to be dead for three days. The ancients used to say that all the ancient gods were dead for three days, just like Jesus was. Okay, and then it rises another degree and starts its way back on top on December 25th when it's born again. So when you're talking about a horse, a bow and arrow, spear, horseman, they're talking about Sagittarius. Then Capricorn is the goat because he likes to climb the mountain. So if you look at the zodiac wheel, um, oh, I wish I could do this faster. There we go. If you look at the zodiac wheel right here, Capricorn's at the bottom. Okay. So imagine the sun climbing along this wheel, one degree a day, climbing through the signs. Okay. It starts its climb at the bottom of the mountain. And that's what the goat does. The goat climbs the mountain. Have you ever seen a mountain goat climbing the mountain before? Yep, absolutely. So those are the 12 signs and those are the words we're going to look for. Now we're going to start decoding some stuff, but I wanted to know what you think. It's very interesting. Um, especially I'm personally Scorpio and Sagittarius are, uh, personal to us because I'm a Scorpio and mix a Sagittarius. So um, well, you yeah. guys are connecting signs. Are you married? Yes. Yeah, you're fine. You're connecting signs. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been married a long time and known each other almost our entire lives. So me and my wife are connecting signs. I'm a Libra son. I'm a cusp and she's a Virgo. She's a pure Virgo. We're connecting yeah. signs. Connecting signs and opposing signs are usually pretty good together. Yeah, he's a cusp as well. He's he's right on the edge. Um, so, uh, but betrayed in Scorpio and what was it? Justice and Sagittarius? Sagittarius is, no, Justice is Libra. Oh, Sagittarius that's right. Sagittarius is the bow and the arrow. Sagittarius, the Sagittarius is the death. Sagittarius gotcha. is December 21st. Any death metaphorically in the Bible or anything, that takes place in Sagittarius. That's the death. And it's going to become very obvious to you as I go through this presentation. Well, Mick is the death in many ways. So that makes a lot of sense. He, he's the bringer of death in a lot of ways, I should say. So, um, so if I were to start decoding some phrases, have you heard of the phrase? <laughs> that's just rude. Come on. That's not rude. It's true. <laughs> okay. Have you heard of the phrase pride comes before the fall? Oh, yes. Can you define it for your listeners, please? Pride comes before the fall. Um, well, it, it goes hand in hand with the higher you rise, the harder you fall. So no, basically, yeah, you, you, you let your pride get the best of you and eventually it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Right. And that that's a literal way to interpret it, right? Yeah. Uh, let me do this first before I go into that. These are names for Jesus. These are his names that he's given by the church. I didn't make this up. Okay. These are his names that I've given that, that, that he's been given. Okay. He's called, when the sun is in Capricorn, he's called the scapegoat of Israel, goat, the sign of the goat. Mm -hmm. When he is in Aquarius, he's called the son of man, the sign of the man. When he's in Pisces, he's called the fisherman of men. Pisces, the two fish. It's also why he feeds the masses with the two fish. When he's in Ram Aries, he's known as the lamb of God or the good shepherd. When he's in Leo, he's known as the lion of Judah. When he's in Cancer, he's known as the good beetle. The lady holding the stalk of wheat, Virgo, he's born of a virgin and he's called the bread of life. Libra, the scales of justice, he's known as the just one. Then he's betrayed in Scorpio. He dies in Sagittarius. 
and it's why he's worshiped on the Sunday. See, the Jewish people worship on the Saturday. That's the Saturn day because the ancient religion goes back to Saturnalia. Yeah, and Saturnalia was the holiday that the Romans celebrated where they turned everything upside down, where the, the slaves were the masters for a day and the masters were the slaves for a day. There you go. Now look at this picture of Jesus on the left, okay? This is a stereotypical picture that I just found on the internet. You could really pull any other ones. You're going to see four things. You're going to see the sun behind his head, the two fingers up like this. You're going to see the heart outside the body. The heart's always outside of Jesus's body in pictures. Why? Always. And the crown of thorns wrapped around the heart, okay? The sun is always behind Jesus because he represents the sun. The two fingers up like this are an ancient Kemetic peace sign. When I say Kemetic, I mean Kem, K-H-E-M, that's Egyptian. It goes back to the Egyptians. That's an ancient Egyptian peace sign, okay? You ever see um, Baphomet or Lucifer or Jesus statues like this? They're telling you they're peaceful. That's what, that's what they're doing. This right here, this John Lennon peace sign, this is the Br British victory war sign. The fingers are separate. This is connected. This is peace, okay? Now, the white Jesus picture is actually a guy named Caesar Borgia, who was the bastard son of Pope Alexander VI. See, yep. in the mid-1500s, mid Rodrigo Borgia bought his way to the papacy, okay? And there's something else that's interesting that happened in the 1500s, too, around the time that he was pope, is they had the printing press. So they were able to mass produce these pictures of Jesus, Okay. Now he never had a face before. And it wasn't because like the Muslims, you're not allowed to draw Muhammad. There was just no face for Jesus before. Okay. Now there was. Okay. Now the crown of thorns wrapped around the heart represents the rays of the sun. Okay. Now the heart itself represents the human toroidal field. Have you heard of that? No. The human toroidal field? Taurus field. Okay. Oh, okay. It's an electromagnetic chemical gradient that extends outside of your body for six feet around six yep. feet around. if you were to six look feet. at you, that's interesting isn't it if you were to look at it it would be it would look like an apple the way that it's shaped and that's why the elites are keeping everybody six feet apart in this pandemic it's to keep you from interacting with others at a basic level your husband ever come up behind you and you just knew he was there all the time absolutely he breaks the toroidal field he's not you're not psychic you know, it's not instinct. Wow. He breaks he breaks the toroidal <laughs> field. Okay. Now, this is Jesus on the left. This is Caesar Borgia on the right. Do you see where they got the likeness from? Absolutely. The nose is different, but other than that, the, the rest of the facial structure is very similar. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So now pride comes before the fall. You explained it already. This is meant to mean that your ego will be your downfall. However, a group of lions is called a pride. Pride is the lion. Lion is Leo. Leo is in July and August. That comes before the fall. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Right, so that's how it makes sense astrotheologically. Now in the book of Micah, which is my namesake, that prophet um, predicts that the savior will come from a town called Bethlehem. Micah 5.2, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. However, Bethlehem is two words in Hebrew, bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So the house of bread. Each zodiac sign is called a house. So when he's calling it the house of bread, the lady with the wheat stalk, Virgo, the virgin, they're really saying that the savior will come from a virgin. 
You see how that's encoded? Yeah. So you have to understand your astrotheology in order to read these passages. Now I've given you the key words to look for. So we're going to do Deuteronomy 32 and I've highlighted all the words. I just want you to see how many signs are in this one passage. He gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky ground. That's Libra. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. Lambs are Aries and goat is Capricorn. They had the best rams, Aries, from Bashan and the finest wheat, Virgo. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes. That's Libra. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. That's Taurus. So you see how many signs are in this? Okay. Yeah. And I gave them honey from the cliffs. In Cancer, in the sign of Cancer, there's a group of stars. It's an asterism. It's a close-knit group of stars called the Beehive Cluster. Okay. And that's in Cancer. So that's where the honey comes from, from the Beehive Cluster. And milk comes from the Milky Way galaxy. Okay. And butter, which is milk-based, the Milky Way galaxy. Its center is in Sagittarius. So you're land from Cancer to Sagittarius. That's your real land of milk and honey. It's not a place on earth. It's in the heavens. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes you think for a minute, right? Yeah. Okay. Now the Mount of Olives. Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives after his last Passover so he could teach them a few more things, pray, then wait for Judas to betray him. While walking to the Mount of Olives, he gave the parable of the true vine. Now, Passover takes place in Aries. Look at the zodiac wheel on the left. Find Aries, okay? On the left. Right after that, he walks to the Mount of Olives. Olives are in Libra. So he goes across the zodiac wheel. That's a cross sign. They're opposing signs. While in Libra, they're waiting for Judas to betray him. And the betrayer is Scorpio, which is the next sign over from Libra. So you go across. And next sign, it's always going to follow this kind of pattern. They're never going to randomly jump. It's always going to be a cross sign or a neighboring sign. While in Libra, he gave the parable of the true vine. And I mentioned vine, vineyard, wine press, everything is Libra. So they're still in Libra. So that's how you begin to decode things. Okay. Revelation 4, 7. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. The first living creature was like a lion, Leo. The second was like an ox, Taurus. The third had a face like a man, Aquarius. The fourth was like a flying eagle. In astrology, the scorpion Scorpio is the belly crawling creature. It's the lowest form of life on earth. Much like God condemned the, uh, the snake to crawl on his belly after the deception in the Garden of Eden, it's, it's a punishment. It's the lowest form of life on earth. However, in astrology, it's evolved form is the eagle, which is the highest flying form of life on earth. Nothing flies higher than the eagle. Okay. And the eagle's evolved form is the phoenix. Okay. The phoenix is the story of Jesus. It's a flame. Jesus, the son of God, not the S O N of God, but the S U N of God, which is what this is all about is Jesus is the son going through the 12 signs and all its keywords. Okay. Now the phoenix is a flaming ball, just like the sun that lives and lives. And then it dies and it's reborn from its ashes, just like the sun. The sun comes to life December 25th. It rises a degree every day. And then on December 21st, it dies. And then it's dead for three days. And then it comes back to life. It does the same thing every year. Okay, the ancients knew this. Leo, Taurus, Aquarius, and Scorpio are the four fixed signs of the zodiac. You have things like mutable signs and cardinal signs, for example. The fixed signs mean they're fixed in their seasons. 
okay? Lion Leo, that's the dead of summer. Taurus, that's the dead of spring. Aquarius is the dead of winter. And the eagle, a Scorpio, that's the dead of fall, okay? Now, here's another interesting thing about this. The lion, Leo, the man, Aquarius, those are opposing signs. The ox, Taurus, and the eagle, Scorpio, those are opposing signs. If you look at the zodiac wheel and then you trace them together, it makes an X through the wheel. Okay, so it's a perfect celestial alignment. So that's what they meant by that passage. It wasn't literally, it wasn't supposed to be literally four creatures. Okay, it was just a metaphor for the signs. Revelation 12.1, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman, you, you know this one, the woman and the dragon? Oh, yeah. I know this one very well. <clears throat> you want to explain it? <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of different interpretations. I personally like the literal interpretation. In fact, when I first came across this, um, yeah, there, there's a whole other story that, that goes along with that that I'll actually talk about in Occult Rejects tonight. But anyway, uh, so a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. So Christians, literal Christians, believe this is literally going to happen, that there's going to be a dragon in the sky, stars are going to fall to earth, and there's going to be a woman in the sky directly opposing the dragon, right? That is one interpretation. That's not my interpretation, although I am a Christian. That, that is one interpretation. Okay, here we go. A woman clothed with the sun is the sun clothed in Virgo. Okay, it's a metaphor. So when they say it's clothed with it, the sun is in Virgo. If the sun is in Virgo, the moon will be at her feet. Okay, now there's 12 signs of the zodiac. The sun spends two hours a day in each sign that makes our 24-hour day clock. It does this every day. Okay, so if the sun is in Virgo, that's between 4 and 6 p.m. The sun is still out. So if the sun is out, the moon isn't out. So the moon would be at her feet, right? And then when the sun comes down, the moon would be up and the sun would be at her feet. Then another sign appeared in heaven, enormous dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. On the left, you see the constellation Draco, which is known as the dragon. Its tail that you look at right here goes from Aries to Sagittarius, which is four-twelfths of the signs or one-third of the stars out of the sky. So far, this is all astrology, okay? Mm -hmm. Everything can be explained with astrology. Uh, and I guess my only issue with all of that is uh, I'm a newly found flat earther. Um, and- uh, David Weiss got to you? He got, oh, yeah. he, he got flat earthed before David Weiss, but that definitely clinched it. It really asks the question though, if we're not spinning, we're not moving, how that all applies to this. I mean, could you argue a flat earth theory or does your- Well, it doesn't really work like that because things do change. Things do move. Things yeah, do move. Oh, no, the stars move. I completely believe that. I completely believe the stars move around us. Uh, I can't find, I find it hard to believe that there's only one, I mean, cause I've seen the slow motion where they photo, uh, where they slow down or they sped up. What is it? Uh, they just took the freaking stars. They took a picture and like it was, uh, they just kept taking pictures and you can watch it when it sped up. You can watch all the stars circling uh, the North Star. Right. And 
that is to me, uh, that tells me that the stars are moving, uh, not necessarily that we're moving. Well, you gotta, <coughs> it's more than just the stars too. You know, Saturn actually used to be a lot closer than it is now. Saturn used to be a lot closer than it is now. That's why the ancients knew that. The ancient Saturnalia worship, the Saturday or the Saturn day, why the Jews represent worship on that day is it goes back to that. It goes back to Saturnalia. You have to wear wedding rings, okay? Because you had to get married under your God, which was Saturn, okay? Women and men, well, not men now, but women used to have to wear earrings. All women wore earrings because their, their, their men told them they had to listen to their God and their God was Saturn and Saturn had the rings. That's why you have to wear earrings, okay? Um, beyond that, um, you've got constellations that are slowly coming in to collide with us. The Andromeda galaxy is gonna come in and collide with us and couple million years or so um i see what you're talking about i see that everything goes around the north star and it would be hard to miss but i think uh, my work doesn't really answer that um but it does um it does work two thousand years later i mean revelation 12 was written two thousand years ago you know this this is a this is a feasible feasible explanation for this you know, at least I'd like to think so. Well, like, well, 2,000 years ago, mankind thought that the Earth was flat, too. It was only 500 years ago that we discovered that the Earth was round. So, um, yeah, it wasn't even that. I mean, we yeah, only we thought... We started fixing it like 50 years ago. Yeah, well, that's true, too. But, it, I mean, mankind only figured this out, like, less than... So, 2,000 years ago, this is what the man on the ground was saying. You know, when you look at... Uh, your astrotheology and everything else that you're talking about, especially when it goes back to the Bible, man thought the earth was flat. They did. So I, I would think that this actually answers a lot of those questions in that, like, cause especially when you were talking about, for instance, um, Passover and you, you were delineating the line of the equator. And if you actually look at, you know, what a flat earther believes that the, where the earth is flat and where, the equator is that Passover would still apply in a flat earth realm or in a round or global globalist realm that that line would still apply. And it, the only thing that changes that is the movement of the sun and that the movement, the sun doesn't actually ever really go down. It just so far out of view that you can't see it. Yeah. I've seen, sense. I've seen Weiss's presentation. It's compelling. I'm not going to lie. And the only reason it's compelling to me is because I can't make an argument edgewise i can't go either way i can't tell you that the earth is flat i can't tell you that the earth is round he's absolutely right in that one theory that you can't say it and i can't say it so it's just kind of like wow where do we go from here but especially when you get into this i mean this is like classic men back then said that the earth was flat and they applied all of this stuff to a flat earth type scenario and i find that interesting they also said that the earth was the center of everything exactly exactly and that, if anything, it lends credence to the flat earthers theory. That's all I'm saying. I think that it's interesting that some of the stuff that you've talked about actually helps uh, not really provide point, but it shows another argument that, look, mankind back then was thinking that the earth was flat. Why wouldn't it be flat? Okay. And that the stars and the astrology that you're talking about here or the astrotheology, however you want to list it, 
it all still applies today. And you're absolutely right. 2000 years ago, this is what, man, we just got to the, what I have the best picture. Uh, I, I should show it to you too. I should send it to you just so you have it. I have the best picture of the, uh, uh, Christmas star. I was on top of a ladder, like way up in the sky. I took a I'm a firefighter and we were way up there and there's no, I have no outside light behind it, but I took a picture of the uh, Christmas star because I worked the day that it was out. And uh, well, for the time that it was out the highest point and I took a picture of it with my phone. And I tell you what, I got a hell of a great picture of it. I I'll send it to you. It is amazing, but it really, you ask, you know, people ask, well, why is that so, so important? And that night it is the brightest star. It was the brightest star in the sky you would have mistook it for, uh, there's a lot of people that would have mistook it for a planet, uneducated people. Everybody else who knew what they were looking for said, oh, well, that's the Christmas star. And I could, for the longest time, I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, that looks like a planet. It doesn't look like a star. I mean, I've seen planets, so I don't, I mean, from telescopes and stuff, I never really thought that looked any different, but it was the brightest star in the sky that night. And I was like, wow, this is what the Kings followed supposedly. And I was like, an astrotheology, and your theory, that would all apply here because they followed one star as it went across the sky. And if you watch that star move from night to night to night, it gets further and further and further away. I could see where they found their way to Bethlehem, as you listed before. And you actually brought up what Bethlehem means. And I thought that was interesting, too, because that all applies to that as well. Thank you. And, it, and the story of Jesus. Right. Okay. So do you guys want me to continue? Yeah, Absolutely. keep going. So I've given examples of astrotheology in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. I've been accused of cherry picking verses from the Bible to prove a point. Let's take a much longer passage and see if we can decode it. So I'm going to go into the book of Job real quick. Are you guys familiar with it? Yep. One of you two explain to your listeners who Job was and what his story was. Well, do you know Job? I do. Okay, well, who is Job? So Job was a faithful man whose faith was tested over and over again by God to prove it. That's about right. Right. You want to add anything to that? Off the top of my head, the biggest one was, uh, I believe, his son, if I remember correctly. Um, one of his sons, he went out and uh, his, one of his sons was really successful and one of them became basically a dreg. And uh, his other son, who thought he was, you know, so successful, his father was going to leave him everything. And he turned around and left it to his other son. And the other son, the successful son, asked the father, asked, asked Job, why, why did you leave it to him? Why didn't you leave it to me? He's going to destroy it. And he said, every man has got to have faith. And tested faith is something that he provided to that son to show him you could do it on your own. You didn't need me, but obviously this one does need me. So that's why I'm leaving it to him. Exactly. Great. Okay. So do you remember at one point where Job is just basically sitting on a rock or something and he's just crying out to God and God answers him? I'm going to read you God's answer. So Job 38, 32. Can you lead forth the Maseroth? The Maseroth literally means the Zodiac in Hebrew. Okay. Maseroth over time becomes Mazalot, which survives in Judaism today as Mazel Tov, which is good luck or good fortune from the stars. So what is the Lord's challenge to Job? He says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Those are obvious star metaphors. Then he says, can you bring forth the constellation in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? The constellations are the Zodiac above and the bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the great bear and Ursa Minor, part of the Big Dipper. Who can tip over the water jars of heaven? That's Aquarius. 
Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? That's Mriga, meaning deer, and is located in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? That's a Celis Borealis, meaning donkey, and is located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille or Al-Thaliman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along with the flashing spear and lance. That's Sagittarius with the bow and the arrow. Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. Finally, he says, can you pull in Levethian with a fish hook? That's Pisces. Okay, so to the naked eye, one might be thinking that Job is being challenged on what happened to all his animals or why couldn't you take all your animals? Why were they taken from you? But on closer revelation, this is, this is just star poetry. Does this make sense? Yeah, I see all of that. So how Jesus was able to heal the blind, if he's the son of God, the living man, the, the blind man came up to him and Jesus touched his eyes with his hands. And then suddenly the man was able to see. However, the sun does that too. When the sun goes down, we lose sight. And then when the sun comes up in the morning and it touches our eyes, suddenly we can see. How he walked on water. You guys ever been fishing and seen a sunset on a lake before? Yep. That's how he walks on water. That's how the sun walks on water how he turned water into wine. So do you guys know why God is considered a man and uh, earth has always been considered a woman? Well, personally, I think, I think God's, God's a woman, woman but, but that's, that's just me. me. So the reason God's always been considered a man is because of his sacred reign, okay? In Hebrew, the word is shemen. We call it, we get the word semen from it. It's the sacred fluid. So God's sacred fluid pours down from heavens and it impregnates mother earth and from her belly, vegetation and all sorts of life grow. So that's why she's metaphorically considered a woman. And that's why God's a man. It's because of his liquid, his, his fluid. Um, okay, so what happens is in Taurus, when you plant, that's April showers, bring May flowers. Okay, and then it rains and it rains and it rains. And then in Libra, you pick the grapes and you crush them into wine. That's how you turn water into wine. Okay, why he had 12 disciples. We went over that. Each one of them represents a... Zodiac sign. Judas represents Scorpio. I'll give you one more. Uh, you have Simon Peter, right? Jesus calls him Peter, right? Okay, now, why would he call him Peter? Like, my name is Micah. Some people might call me Mike. But Simon Peter, that's not a name that makes sense to be given to someone. Do you know why he was given that? No, no idea. Simon, you know Simon Peter, if I remember, the the second part is always the family name. The first part is the surname. So he would have been following his father's name. His father was Peter. Well, then he would have renamed all of his, all of the uh, disciples. You know, True. So why Peter? Well, do you remember what Simon's job was? He was Not a fisherman. Top of my head. He was a fisherman. Yeah. Okay. And what sign in the Zodiac is the fish? I see. Exactly. And do you know what the ruling planet of Pisces is? Not even okay, close. It's Jupiter or Jew-Peter. Oh. Interesting. Okay. I guess it could also work as a fisher of men because Peter was the one to carry on Jesus's church. 
and on mankind or through mankind. Right. And so been the fisher of souls. Right. So why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, we went over that. Why he was dead for three days, we went over that. Why is his birthday on December 25th, we went over that too. I'm going to go through the book of Matthew now with you and show you how every line is encoded astrology, okay? Okay. Book of Matthew. Three, two. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Each gospel begins at one of the four major points of the zodiac and ends at one of them as well. The two solstices and the two equinox, when connected, form a cross. This is known as the cross of God's sun, sun. Okay, the kingdom of heaven is Leo, whose ruling planet is the sun. This is the only sign that the sun rules over. So if you look at the zodiac on the left that I've, I've given little cheat sheets to, I've circled June 21st, which is in Cancer. So that's where this gospel starts. This is the firmament between Cancer and Leo. In the beginning of the kingdom, there's a saying in the Bible that says the firmament shows God's handiwork. The firmaments are dividing lines between signs, okay? Some people call them cusps. Some people call them handover dates. Some people call them borders. You know, there's words for them, you know, but at the end of the day, this is what the firmament is, is it keeps one sign from infiltrating another. And there's plenty of phrases in the Bible that say the same thing too. Now, the next passage, Matthew 3, 4, God's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. If we take the most famous drawing of a man, Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian man, and superimpose it onto the Zodiac, we can make sense of it. See what I did on the left? Cancer being the head is why he eats wild honey. In Cancer, there's a star cluster called the beehive cluster. Bees produce honey. His mouth and his head are in cancer, just like the bees. So that's why he eats bees. Now, a little lower on his body is a body made out of camel hair or camelopardalis, which is in Gemini. So right now you have the head and the upper body so far. Moving a little lower on the body, you get his midsection, which is where you would wear a belt. Taurus represents the bull and the female is the cow, which is where you would get the leather. Regarding the belt part, Orion's belt sits between Taurus and Gemini. So next would be the baptism. Now, how are we going to go from the beginning of Leo, where we started, to a water sign to signify the baptism? You would go across the zodiac. Cross signs, as they are known, are signs opposite location. For example, Aries and Libra are cross signs. This is very important. The sign's two most important signs are its neighboring signs and its cross sign. Here we see how it makes a leap from one firmament to the other. The man with the water pitcher in Aquarius is personified as John the Baptist with the water. It's important to note, too, that John the Baptist and Jesus are always exactly six months apart. When you think about the fact that Jesus is born on December 25th and rises a degree a day, then that must mean that John the Baptist is born on June 24th and decrease a degree a day. This is why in John 3.30, John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's also why St. John's Day is exactly six months to the day of the birthday of Jesus. That's when the church celebrates St. John's Day. They're exactly six months apart. So the next story is the temptation of Jesus. So we're going back to the Cancer Leo firmament of July 24th. He's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert with the devil, right? Supposedly, yes. Okay. So just count 40 days. It's from July 24th. That takes you to September 2nd. That's the dead of Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk, remember? Now watch what the next passage yep. Matthew 4, 3. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Here we see mention of the bread, which tells you that the sun is in Virgo. 
The next passage, Matthew 5, 17 and 22, I did not come to abolish the law. And if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. This takes place in the firmament of Virgo Libra. When you are at the firmament, it could be used on either or side. This could be used to talk about bread, or it could be used to talk about what it's actually talking about now, which is law and judgment Libra, the scales of law, who judges the sun before it's descent into fall and winter. Matthew 7, 9, 10. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Once again, this is being the firmament between Virgo and Libra to switch back to Virgo. Matthew 7, 15, 16. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, and can you pick the grapes from thorn bushes? The sheep are the ram in Aries, and the grapes are in Libra. Once again, these are opposing signs. Matthew 13. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. The story now moves from Libra to the barrier between Aquarius and Pisces as he was right beside the lake or the two water signs. Get it? He's beside the lake, so he'd be... It, it, these are metaphors. Its cross sign is the Leo-Virgo firmament. As it's across from Virgo, the wheat stalk the grains. Is it ironic that the next parables from Jesus are the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed, and the yeast? Okay, moving right along, next is the fishing net parable. So you go back from Leo Virgo to Aquarius Pisces. Is this making any kind of sense? Well, yeah, because I can follow the body and I can see where the legs, the arms, where everything meets. I guess what is, I guess is maybe a little confusing is you started at Cancer and you went left. And then somehow you went right back to the firmament between Leo, uh, which split you just Aquarius. Follow, you or... just follow the story. You just follow the story. Okay. From there. So that was just within the story. All right. It was within the story. Gemini is the two sides of two men, technically twins. However, there's just a short mention of brothers in the next passage. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. This ends at the firmament of Gemini Cancer. How do we know this? So you see the firmament of Gemini Cancer? If you follow that across, what do you, what firmament does it bring you to? That would be Sagittarius and Capricorn. Capricorn. Right. Okay. That's December 21st. What happens yep. December 21st? That's the winter solstice. Solstice. That's the death. That's the death. Okay. What's the next story? Oh, his birth. Cause that would be December 25th. No, 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 no. So if, if, if I'm saying that this ends at the firmament of Gemini cancer, and then yeah. it goes to Sagittarius Capricorn because it's always the neighboring sign or the cross sign. Okay. The next story is the death of John the Baptist. That's how okay. you know you're there. The firmament of Sagittarius Capricorn, they're opposing signs. So let's take a sentence which sounds like it could be in the Bible, but isn't. If I say to you, the rulers were divided by war between war and love, it split the land in half. You could read that as a literal translation. Or the ruling planet of Aries is Mars, who is the god of war. The ruling planet of Libra is Venus, who is the goddess of love. There is your war and love. If you connect it, like I did in this picture, it literally splits the land in half. Okay? And these are the kind of metaphors. This is how the Bible has been written, in metaphors, to basically encode this information. Matthew 14, 17, and 32. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. The bread, Virgo, and the fish, two Pisces, are opposing signs. That's why the two were mentioned in this. Also, Pisces is the two fish, which is why Jesus feeds the masses with the two fish. They're talking about the sun in Pisces. Then this is the cross of God's son. We were just in Virgo, and now next is Libra, which is law and wine, remember, and olive oil. What stories do we get now from Jesus? The story of the temple tax, the unforgiving debtor, divorce and marriage, and the parable of the vineyard worker. Okay, so it all lines up. 
Then next is Scorpio, the betrayer. This is where Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss. So we were just in Libra. Now we're in Scorpio. And then we go to Sagittarius, which is the death. So there you go. Here's where Jesus is crucified on the cross. And that is the book of Matthew. Do you see how it's just all encoded in there, just waiting to be decoded? Yeah. Hmm. How did you come across this? I'm sorry? How did you stumble on this? How did you come across all this? I studied astrotheology, and then I just started applying it to decoding uh, biblical verses. No, I got that. But why? That's that's always my question. I always want to know why. What what drew you to it? What I mean, who just up and decides to study astrotheology one day? It just, it, the way I heard it presented, it just really struck with me. It, it, to me, it's the truth. To me, it's the truth. It's what it is. You're probably asking what the point of this is. Okay. How does it relate to today? How does it relate to today? Okay. <clears throat> you have a watch, you have a phone, you have a computer. At any given time, you can look at the time, the date. It'll tell you the date, the month, the time. You might even tell you when the sun's going to come up and the sun's going to go down. It's going to tell you what the weather's going to be like the next day, the next month. You have a farmer's almanac. That's what this basically is, is a farmer's almanac. The ancients didn't have any of that shit, okay? All they had was maybe a sundial so they could find, watch the sun in the sky, know when it was coming down, okay? They had to know when to plant, so when you see the bull in the sky, you know that you have to put the plow on the bull. Now we have equipment that does it, but back in the day they used the bull. So that's what they had to do. And they had to plow in order to eat at the end of the year because you had to harvest things. You had to harvest the grain, the rice, the bread, all that stuff's in Virgo, okay? And you had to store it. You had to store it for the winter because it's a big joke, you know, in Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Well, that was a big deal because when winter comes, everything gets cold people get sick more often. Um, it, the, the wild animals come out, you know, we're barely out of the food chain, if not at all. You're in an area where there's like lions and bears and stuff. Okay, so, and they get hungry. You know, we, we take for granted we're out of the food chain and we have this. So what they basically did was they had all this information. Like when they're talking about the dragon, they're just trying to tell you, okay, there's the constellation Draco. This is how long its tail is. So they wrapped a metaphor around it. Um, and what they did is the reason they did this is because absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is the knowledge of how to stay alive, okay? All this information, the 12 signs and what you look for, this is how to stay alive, okay? This is how you track time as well, okay? Now we have calendars. We don't worry about this, okay? We take for granted everything. And that's why they did this. They basically encoded all these metaphors. I mean, look at the book of Job, like I went through. Look at the book of Matthew, like I went through. I could do the book of Revelation. I could do, I could do so many Gnostic texts. I could do, you know, um, the Enuma Elish, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which I just did this morning. Um, you can go through all of these. It's all written the same way. These are all encoded this way because this was the language they used, okay? And before 325 AD, when Constantine unified literal Christianity, okay, the ancient Christians before then used to be known as Heliognostics. And in Greek, Helios means sun and Gnostic means knowers. They were sun worshipers, okay? They were pagans, basically, okay? It was only after 325 AD that literal Christianity took over. And the further away we are from this time, the more people become ensconced in this, but the ancients weren't reading it this way. They hid this information because you couldn't just, staying alive is what was most important, okay? If we had a cataclysmic event, that sent us back to living in caves, hunting animal skins, women getting berries, all that kind of shit. Um, 
finding God and thinking about what God wants from us is going to be low on that list. A survival is what's important. This is a book on survival. That's what this is. And it's encoded this way because, as Jesus says, those with ears to hear and eyes to see. This is what he's talking about. He speaks in metaphors, but the entire book is in metaphor. You know, there's triple entendres in this. You know, we can't write like they used to write. You know, we take we think that we think of these ancient people as as dumb and, and not enlightened. But the truth is, is that's not true at all. You know, so this is why this was done this way. You know, these are star poetry, star metaphors that are just that are incredible. You know. Oh, great. So uh, have you found anything since you've been doing this? I mean, have you found anything in the Bible that might actually tell us what might happen in the future? I mean, is I, there I don't anything? think I don't think that the Bible personally, from my experience, from what I've done, and you take my take my opinion or not, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't think that things like the book of Revelation are revelatory. I think that what happened was they're encoded on the surface level. They tell a story encoded they tell another story okay but on the surface level i don't think it's revelatory what i think happened is this was written and the elites in charge who really run everything they plan events that could be interpreted as that so not so much as the book of revelation is revealing itself in the end days now but more so that people are manipulating the days and things like mark of the beast you know the vaccine passport the chip everything People are making their own assumptions out of that in order to fit the Bible. That's what I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was just wondering if you had like, I mean, cause I, I, you've obviously done some research here. You've obviously been looking at this for a hot minute and I just wondering if maybe, you know, you applied something you were like, that just seems really weird that all of a sudden that just works out perfectly that way. That could explain why this is this. And that's, you know, it just could explain something else that I thought maybe you were aware of. Right. You know, so Mick, I, and I, Mick and I actually just had that conversation not too long ago. I asked him, um, are, are events happening because we're in tribulation, because we're in the end times and, and events are happening following that path? Or yeah. are they making events happen They're to events follow happen. that path to make it seem like we're in the end times? Either have way, heard, I'm not sure that it have matters. You guys heard of, have you guys heard of Project Bluebeam? Yes. Okay, so you know what's, what's going to come with technology. Yes, absolutely. You guys, you guys football fans? He is. I'm not. What's going to come with technology? Okay, wait a minute. Time a second. What's gonna, what is going to come with technology? Because I, I kind of want to hear this now. All right, I'll show you this. Ready? So Moses, let, let, I'll, I'll answer that. I promise. Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. And when he comes down, he sees them worshiping a golden calf. The sun is the gold and the calf is the bull or Taurus. They were worshiping the sun in Taurus. Whereas they're the Jews or the people of Aries. So he breaks the commandments, becoming the first lawbreaker because he broke the law. The ancient Egyptians used to worship the sun in Taurus. Hieroglyphs on the left of the bull with the sun between its horns, it's the sun in Taurus. The Jews are the people of Aries. That's why they blow the ram's horn to the sky on the holidays, the ram's horn on the left. Christians are the people of Pisces. That's why they have the Jesus fish, as showed below. It's the center of the vesica Pisces. This is why Jesus is able to feed the masses with the two fish, the two fish are Pisces, John 21. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn, okay? Now, the Vesica Pisces on the left, it's numerical equivalence 
is 247 over 153. 153 is the denominator. The ancients knew this ancient science. The ancients had this. Okay, this stuff is all encoded. This goes beyond astrotheology. These are all encoded. So my point is, is that the, the Egyptians worshipped in Taurus. They left us the Book of the Dead. The Jews are the people of Aries. They left us the Old Testament. The Christians are the people of Pisces. They left us the New Testament. Now we're in the age of Aquarius, okay, which is the sign of the man. And my contention is you're going to see uh, we're in the Golden Age. So people are going to become enlightened, okay, and people are going to become much smarter. Um, we're we're going to have a, a, a rush of consciousness, okay, moving away from religion. Um, because they served its purpose. Uh, nobody cares about the Egyptian hieroglyphs and the sun worship anymore. The Jewish people are almost obsolete. There's five times as many gay people as there are Jews in the world. Okay, that's just that's just a fact. Okay, and the Christians are the people of Pisces. Now, they're, they're the most uh, current ones, but their time frame is over. You know, if you look at the pattern that I'm outlining here right now, in a thousand years, 1500 years, Christians are going to dwindle. They're going to. That's why you're starting to see a lot of pushback against them to begin with. It's maybe not being done in the right way, but the ones who are serious, the elites who really control things, they it's like JP Morgan said, millionaires don't need astrology, but billionaires do. The elites, they follow this. Now we're in the age of Aquarius, which is the sign of the man. Okay, You're going to see the new religion to me, I think, even though we're young in Aquarius, the new religion to me is going to be transhumanism and merging with machines. It's going to be the evolution of the man, the sign of the man. So I don't know what you guys think of that, but. I actually have a couple of theories on transhumanism, um, especially if you go back to the old adage that history repeats itself. Um, I, I've done some research onto RH bloodlines, RH negative bloodlines specifically. Uh, because, exactly. So there you go. Um, do you drain energy from things? Drain watch batteries, drain regular batteries, things like that? I tend to sometimes, yeah. Yep. But not, 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 not terribly much. I, that's, the, a, that, that's actually a, a telling sign of an RH negative, as well as being intuitive, intelligent, um, highly allergic to synthetics, um, drugs, things like that, synthetic drugs. Um, right. But, uh, you know, RH negative, the rhesus protein that's found on monkeys and also found on humans is how they proved evolution. But if you follow that all the way back, so then where do we come from, right? Where do RH negative people come from? Because if we don't have that protein, then obviously we didn't descend from apes, from mammals, because that's how they proved evolution. So if we don't have it, where do we come from? So if you go by the adage that history repeats itself and that there is a whole group of people that were descended from monkeys and then a small group of people that weren't, makes me wonder if the original people here didn't use some kind of transhumanism to breed a new class of humans out of monkeys. You should read a book called The Flower of Life by Javala Melchizedek. You should read a book um, called The Enuma Elish which basically talks about Enki and Enlil. And so this is the theory, okay? This is like the ancient aliens theory, is that they um, they came from a ninth planet called Nibiru. So all our planets, okay, so you have the sun in the middle and all our planets revolve around it. I don't care if it's flat or not, but all our planets like make a revolution. Pluto's kind of like this. 
okay? But they all, for the most part, make circular re revolutions, okay? Mm -hmm. Nibiru goes like this. So it comes around every 3,600 years in an oblong shape, okay? Now, from then, they needed gold to fix their atmosphere. Gold is a precious commodity in the universe. They needed gold to fix it. So they came down, they tinkered with early people, okay? And they made them slaves to mine gold for them. And then what happened is there was a fight between the two brothers and one of them wanted to give mankind intelligence and the other one didn't. And he ended up giving us intelligence, right? You have books like the Book of Enoch, which talks a little deeper about the, them teaching us stuff of the stars and the heavens. And then, you know, they basically leave. You know, they talk about how, how they crossbreed, how they do this, how they do that. If you look at, if you look this up, if you look at chromosome two in the human DNA, okay, you will find that it is 35% larger than the rest. And in the middle, it's, you know how DNA is like horseshoe? It's fused in the middle, okay? That's long-term tinkering done right there, okay? It's fused in the middle. They can't explain it. You know, you can literally look at pictures of it. It looks like it was uh, sewn together. So there has been, you know, absolutely there has been. Evolution doesn't answer everything. No. I agree with you. I was just talking to my kid about that yesterday because... Um, well, he's a very intuitive child, but, um, yeah, evolution, you know, you go back to the big bang theory, right? That we all just poof appeared. Well, what caused the big bang theory? What, what caused the big bang in the first place? There had to be something, right? right. Um, same thing when you, you make the jump from mammals to humans what made that jump what as i told him every scientist who digs into humans like the human genome or or you know how we work um brains things like that most of them start out as atheists and when they come out the other side of their research they are full believers in god because they've come to realize that well you gotta you gotta also differentiate the idea between belief in god which i have and religion Oh, definitely. Because religion is a religion. Is a construct. Religion, religion is a construct for for sheeple, right? Religion is is a way to both control the masses and and make them feel safe and protected. Whereas that's what, um, that's what Heisenberg said. Faith is faith is faith. God is inside you. God is all around you. God is not in necessarily just in a building of stone. Right. I mean, and that, like I said, that's what Heisenberg said. He said, the first gulp of the natural sciences will turn you to an atheist, but by the bottom of the cup, God's waiting for you. Because they just can't explain that, that we are obviously an intelligent creation, that some greater intelligence made us have our Like I told you at the beginning of the presentation, we've known about the Zodiac for 40,000 years, and it hasn't really changed. So who are these ancient people 40,000 years ago looking at a cluster of stars and going, that's a bull? So here's my question for you, because I, I see, I agree, I, I see how all of this astrotheology fits right in. I see how the, the whole Bible is a great big metaphor, but as advanced as the people that wrote this were, why does it only have to be one story? Why does it only have to be one answer? It, it brings me back to Q, for example, right? I said that the people that were researching Q were so effective because they all did it independently and they all came up with different answers, but all of those answers were correct because everything had so many different meanings. Right. People took different paths to get to the same end place. Well, if you notice this, I don't talk about numerology. 
I just talk about the astrotheology in it. You know, to me, the breakdown, like when I break down the woman and the dragon, that makes a lot more clear sense than believing it literally. You know, to me, to me, the book of Job, when you read it like that, he's just pointing out to the stars that we knew. We know there's 88 constellations now in our neck of the woods, okay, including the 12 zodiac. Back in the day, they only knew 48. And the Bible is also a product of the time. You got to understand. But if I go to here, look, Genesis 32, 30. And Jacob called the place, the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face in my life is preserved. Well, Peniel just becomes the pineal gland. And you see the eye of Horus on the left. And on the right, that's the pineal gland. That's the seat of the soul. Okay, that's where you, you drop DMT in the middle of the night. That's where you dream. Now, in many Buddhist traditions, 49 is the total morning period with prayers conducted every seven days across seven weeks. The Buddhists believe rebirth takes place within 49 days after death. And it just so happens that the pineal gland becomes visible on the 49th day of gestation. So the ancients knew this stuff. You know how? I don't know. But they knew this stuff. You know, there's a lot of information out there. This is interesting, too. This is Solomon's temple. Okay. This is Solomon's temple. Now, do you see anything interesting about it? What am I looking for? It's an overhead view. Hmm. Okay. This is the view of Solomon's temple from above. It's important to note that Solomon is not a name of a person. It's a combination of three words for the sun. Sol, or sun in Latin, om, Om or sun in Buddhism and on was the city of light Heliopolis in Greece Solomon okay on was the city of light that's why when you go into a room you turn the lights on to become illuminated okay now this was created using sex magic now Yakim and Boaz represent the testicles from the view I the see it's a big dick it's a big dick going into going a into a vagina yeah the porch is the base of the penis the holy place is the shaft the holy of holies is the head the arc of the hole of the penis is where the DNA information or the Torah is stored. The store chambers represent the female womb and the two entrances represent the fallopian tubes where the eggs come out. This is Solomon's temple right here. It was made with sex magic, okay? Here's the Roman Catholic Catechism. All forms of divination are to be rejected. Recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead or other false practices falsely, supposed to unveil the future. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums, all conceal a desire for time over history, and in the last analysis of the human beings as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear that we owe to God alone. So, if there is astrology in the Bible, which I think I've made a case for, why would the Roman Catholics say that it's evil if it didn't have a deeper meaning? Well, that's an easy answer. The same reason that the Catholics didn't want to teach people how to read, didn't want pe people to read because they didn't want them to know it was really in the Bible. They wanted people to be dependent on them for their spiritual guidance and learning. Right. It goes into... But astrotheology, it also goes into modern day stuff. Okay. You a basketball fan? No. I went to Connecticut, but I'm not a basketball fan. Okay. The Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix is the story of Christ the Sun, a flaming form of life that dies and rises from its ashes. Jesus was the Sun who died for three days and came back to life. What about the woman's Phoenix team? 
the phoenix Mercury. Mercury is the ruling planet of Virgo, the only woman sign. So how else are they encoded? Remember this movie, Face Off? 1990s movie, Face Off, starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. What are their characters' names? Nicholas Caster Cage. and Troy. Yeah, well, and one Paul. brother was, one was Caster, the other was Pollux Troy, and then Art Sean Archer was obviously what Nick, or, uh, John Travolta played. Right. Archer is Sagittarius, the man with the bow and the arrow. Those are opposing signs. Remember this video, Cranberry Zombie? 1990 yeah. song for the video Cranberry Zombie. Here Dolores O'Riordan is painted gold like the sun and her head dressing represents the rays of the sun, much like Jesus in the crown of thorns. But is that? So this is the sun. This is the very next scene. Oh my God. Here we see the golden sun on the cross. And there, look, the hunters with the bow and the arrow where the sun is killed in Sagittarius. Now, right before this particular scene, they were aimed at her. Okay, so they, involve, they, they, they embed this occult stuff into the works. So this is it. On Amazon, Into the Rabbit Hole, Beneath the Veil is book one. You know, I would just suggest that anybody who's interested in this kind of stuff, just pick up the first book or reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Micah Dank and uh, pick it up. I, I would have to agree. And I would say not even anyone who's just interested in this. Like, I want Mick to read it because it's it really is a thriller and he doesn't read much. He, he likes uh, books with short chapters that move quickly especially when he's listening on audible. I personally like to listen to a book for hours because it, you know, keeps up right. time, but um, he likes them. He likes them quick and, and moving along. So I think anyone really, I think anyone would enjoy your book. Um, it's, uh, it's not dull. That's for sure. It, it moves along really quickly. It's, it's really a great story. I'm like I said, looking forward to reading the next one. Thank you. So I, and now you have six of them coming out and you've pretty much written them like a demon, right? Just one after another, just turning them out. Yes. I, they were all written before I got my book deal. Okay. Fantastic. How, how does that work anyway? Like, I mean, you're just a, I mean, you're just a guy, right? You're just a guy in, in Massachusetts and Boston. Like how, how does all that work? How does that come about? You just I send just, it off to a publisher just, and see mean, if they liked it. I, I did a. I did an analysis on this and I was like, should I write a nonfiction book? Should I write a fiction book? Should I write a series? Then it occurred to me that basically what happened was I used to be on Facebook and I used to argue with people a lot. I had like a Facebook group and people would post stuff and we would argue. I figured that was just a waste of time just arguing with random strangers on Facebook. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to teach people something real, you know, through fiction stories like, like 1984 did, you know, that's kind of my thought process. I saw 1984, I saw um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I saw 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I saw books like this, I'm an English major. And I saw books like this and I was like, this is how you teach people. You teach them through, through uh, fiction. This is how people do it. Cause they buy into the reality. You're reading the book and you automatically assume that what I'm saying is true. Otherwise you're not gonna read it. Yeah. Right. And then what, may, what, might, what might happen in the book? I'll drop a piece of knowledge and you'll go bullshit. And then you'll Google it. And then you'll go, okay. And then you'll read another 10 pages and then you'll do it again. And then by the sixth or seventh time that you Googled it and it turned out to be true, or when you went down that rabbit hole, you found that it was uh, interesting or, or something of that nature. Then you're like, all right, I'm going to give this guy credit. And then you just keep reading. Yeah, very interesting. Um, 
you know, you said uh, you spoke about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Another book I would recommend for you, Micah, is a book called The Coming Race, if you've not read it already. Yeah. Um, it's from 1892, and it was dropped off anonymously to a publisher, um, just a small publisher, and somehow it got a worldwide reproduction, like right off the bat, and it spawned the Hollow Earth Theory, the book 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the Vril Society, um, pretty much everything, like a whole lot of what's pertinent in our culture today that people don't even realize. So that's one of the originals. I would definitely recommend you read that book. I think you'd find it really interesting. Okay. It's called The Coming Race. Anyway, so I know you've got another presentation to do, so you can spread more truth across the world. So thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to drop this today. We, we don't edit much, although I, I, uh, we'll probably just drop the intro and outro on here and, and, send it out and tell people where they can find you in the meantime. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Micah Dank. If you reach out to me, you know, I'll, I'll see if you want to see more, more of information like this kind of stuff, I would gladly send you links. You know, if you want to buy the books through me and get them signed, you can do that too. Or you can go on Amazon, whatever. But um, I go much deeper into this kind of stuff. That's awesome. All right. All right. And the book, the book that you're doing, or that book, I'm sorry, the uh, the veil, uh, on what's under the veil, that is based on your characters in that book. That's all fiction. Uh, a lot, a lot of it has there, there's parts of it, there's parts of the series that are very much drilled into what my life was like. Um, but for the most part, yeah. And it follows. Uh, is there like a particular like? I mean, for those who don't know, I, I mean, I've read the synopsis and uh, I guess it's a seal and his brother, something is a brother's a seal. The guy's brother's a seal and he gets killed and there's some email that he receives and it yep. trolls down a, a whole rabbit hole of conspiracies that it opens doors to him that he never thought he saw. Yeah. Or exactly. Everything he was believing. Yep. All right. Well, I know. I mean, I just saw it like when we were looking before I, I, knew very little and uh, i think i've heard you before though you were on uh, deplorable janet's podcast not too long yeah. ago a while ago actually probably four or five months ago right yeah that's what i thought i thought i'd heard him before his voice sounds familiar all righty awesome yeah janet's a good friend of ours too so all right well thanks again micah any last parting words before we let you go no that's it i'm just i'm glad you guys uh found it interesting yeah very much no so. actually you did. I, I'm kind of, uh, I'm in the, there's a lot of things there. I've got to kind of absorb and dwell right. on because I mean, I'm still in a, uh, I'm in a whole co completely different area just because the flat earth thing. But I tell you what, there's a lot there. I mean, I, I even made the argument myself because I said, okay, even back then they believed the earth was flat. So why would this apply? Right. It's just interesting to think of it that way. Never thought about it that way. Gotcha. Well, thanks so much for your time, Micah. We really appreciate it. And I will uh, tag you in this as soon as we drop it. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks, All guys. Right. Thanks. Have a great day. Good. Bye. Bye.